0: This is Cindy Godwin, pastor of Summit Church, and this is our chosen podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope that it helps build up your faith and remind you that God has chosen you and set you apart for his purpose. Enjoy the message. I'm very excited about this morning in a very different kind of way. It was not at all what I had planned at all. But I don't want to do what I planned. I want to do what the Holy Spirit instructs me to do. And I want every word to be real and relevant and what he is saying today. And so I can only tell you what he's saying to me. But if he's saying it to me, I can just guarantee you he's saying it to many, many others as well. And so I'm going to start just by repeating what I said during worship so that it will be you can listen back or people can hear this. And, And what I said is I bought this shirt a while back and I never wore it because I just thought, well, it's just not really me. And so the other day I took it out and I was actually one thing I left out. I was kind of having a down day. It was just one of those unusual, that's not usual for me to have a down day. But I was just kind of feeling like, None of you ever feel that way. I can tell. You're always just, hallelujah. And so it was just kind of a down day. And so I took it out and I thought, I don't even have anything to wear this with. It was just one of those attitudes. And then I had this prompting by the Holy Spirit, look closely And I had no idea when I bought this shirt that it had writing on it. And when I looked at it, it said, it will get better. And that was the Holy Spirit speaking to me. Wherever you are, whatever you're going through, it will get better. And I share the story of a, a young man in Africa who was very, very sick. And when he heard the word of faith on healing, he began to go around every day out loud saying, and, and the preacher thought he was saying butter, but of course there was the language thing, and every day things are butter and butter, and the preacher would see him, and he'd say, how you doing, brother, and he'd say, butter and butter, and then he realized that he was saying better and better, and he said better and better all the way to being well, because in your tongue lies the power of life and of death. So I don't care what you're going through. You be saying, "I'm better and better. Things are better. It will get better. Yes. It will get better." So this is my new favorite shirt. I almost told everybody that had on athletic shoes, "Let's get up and run." I might still do that. What? 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 Why would you want me to wear those, Pam? Look at your shirt. Oh, Pam, you're wearing my shirt on your feet. Oh, are we the same size? You need to give those to me. (laughs) I actually changed what I was going to share about you uh, today. It's not what I planned at all. But, and some of you, many of you, maybe all of you already know about this. There was a horrible tragedy that occurred on Friday evening by one of the local pastors in San Antonio, who is very significant in this city, and... uh, it uh, was on the, in the paper. I'm not saying anything that hasn't been made public. But he had a fatal car crash. And only 52 years old. Powerful man of God. Tragic loss. Nothing any of us could understand. I can't even try. I can't even let my mind go there. And his, he left a wife and uh, had a real story of redemption. Beautiful. It's one of these love stories that you just think... Oh and left her and three children, and I think that the youngest was a little boy, maybe three or so, and I just wept, I just wept, I mean, I personally know him,'ve had conversations with him, but it's been many years since I've seen him, but that didn't matter. I just wept. I mean, what a senseless tragedy and As soon as I heard about it, immediately, and I do mean immediately. How many of you know what immediately means? I was reminded of Revelation 12. And it's honestly the only explanation we have for a lot of what's going on, even in the world. I'm going to read it to you, starting with verse 10. See if you can hear why... So many of the senseless things that are happening are happening. And then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation, the power, the kingdom, the dominion, the reign of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren and sisters has been thrown down at last He who accuses them or us and keeps bringing charges of sinful behavior against us day, oh, before our God day and night. And they overcame or we overcame and conquered him because of the blood of the lamb. That's the last song second last song we sang, which Kelly didn't know. Because of the blood of the Lamb. Because of the word of our testimony. For we did not love our life and renounce our faith, even when faced with death. Therefore, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and to the sea. Because... The devil has come down to you in great wrath, listen, knowing that he only has a short time remaining. And when the dragon saw that he was thrown down to the earth, he persecuted the woman who had given birth to the male child. Child is capitalized. He persecuted the woman, that's the church, who had given birth to Jesus through the womb of Mary. The devil has come down with great wrath. He knows he only has a short time left. And so he's going after the people of God with greater anger, hatred, and ferociousness than we've ever seen from this time back. How many times have you and I heard things have never been like this before? I'm hearing it from everywhere, in every sector, in businesses, in the economy, in education, and God knows, in the airwaves, on television, were things that were once deemed perfectly safe Now, have to be monitored and filtered. Every day I hear people say, It's never been like this before. The devil has great wrath, knowing he has only a short time left. There's your answer. But the good news isn't it amazing that God declares the end from the beginning? Before he revealed the whole plan of the enemy and the wrath of the devil, he gave us the answer. And when I found out about this tragedy, this inexplicable tragedy that made no sense, as most tragedies don't, I knew with everything in me, that we have to arise and honor the blood of Jesus in greater ferociousness than we ever have before. And I am determined to do that. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb. We overcome by the word of our testimony. And we overcome by not loving our lives, even if we have to die for our witnessing. And yes, in the United States, we still have a measure of safety. But don't get so confident that it could not happen here. Christians are still being persecuted and slaughtered all over the world. And did you know that the underground church is actually stronger than any church on earth? You know why? Because they're not playing church. They're fighting for their lives. We overcome by the blood of the lamb. And I said to the Lord, I made a resolve. And the Lord said to me, your resolution is your solution. And my resolve was this. I don't want to do anything that gives the devil place in my life. I don't want to do anything that causes him pleasure or victory. Anything that will cause him to go, aha! What does that look like? I refuse to be offended, I refuse to fear. I refuse to nurse a grudge. I refuse to harbor anything that does not resemble the love of God. I refuse to worry. I refuse to be bitter. I refuse unrighteous anger. I refuse to gossip. I refuse to judge. The list is pretty extensive. I refuse to get into strife. Does that mean I'm never tempted? <laughs> and it can only be done by complete reliance on the Holy Spirit. John 14:30 30 and 31. Jesus said, I will not speak with you much longer for the ruler of this world, Satan, is coming. He has no claim on me. Listen, no power over me, nor anything he can use against me. And here's how. But so that the world may know without any doubt that I love the Father, I do exactly as the Father has commanded me, and I act in full agreement with him. Get up. Let us go from here. Matthew 16, 21 through 23. From that time, Jesus began to point out to his disciples that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem to suffer many things from the elders, chief priests, and scribes, to be killed, to be raised up on the third day. And yet Peter took him aside and began to rebuke Jesus. And he said, God forbid it, Lord. This shall never happen to you. Who was Peter thinking of? You think he was thinking of Jesus? No, he was thinking of Peter just like you and I. I think of Peter too, except her name is Sandy. Her name is Sandy. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on God's purposes, but men's. I resolve To set my mind on God's purposes, I've made a resolution. Holy Spirit, help me. It begins with a decision. Does that mean you'll never be tempted to worry? Absolutely, you will be tempted every day. That's why I really just don't want to watch the bad news. Not to be ignorant. But I've read the end of the book, as the saying goes. I know who the victor is. I know who wins. I know him who has a double-edged sword in his mouth. I know who has on his thigh written King of kings and Lord of lords. I know the one whose name is the word of God. I know the one who wears a, a robe dyed by dipping in blood. I know whom I have believed. I'm persuaded he's able to keep what I've entrusted to him. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb. I have done extensive teachings on the blood. We don't have time to do everything today, but I want to read a scripture to you. And by the way, uh, not last Sunday. Last Sunday, Rick did Power Power of Miracles, and it was so powerful. Speaking of podcasts, you can listen to it. I suggest you do. It was on, on the power of a miracle to heal you. So good. Lord, I just receive healing even where I don't know I need it. And then the, word we, the week before he did power of the blood and all that the blood does. Hebrew, excuse me, Exodus twelve thirteen. But the blood on your doorpost will serve as a sign, marking the houses where you are staying. When I see the blood, I will pass over. This plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. Notice, he said, the blood on your doorpost will serve as a sign marking the houses. This is God's house. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. This was a picture. This was the blood of a literal lamb. Jesus, 1 Corinthians 5, 7, is our Passover lamb. They use the literal blood of lambs. We appropriate the blood of the lamb of God. We're getting ready to celebrate Passover. The blood of the lamb does more then the blood of this literal lamb. Listen to what it did. It served as a sign marking the house where they were staying. Every Hebrew that marked the doorpost and the lentils, spirit, soul, body, we are three-part beings, they had to mark the blood in three parts. In the house, the house, a symbol of this house, the house of Jesus Christ had to be marked in three places with the blood of the Lamb. We mark the blood on our spirit, soul, and body. How do you do that? They used hyssop. Hyssop was a type of faith. Where does faith live now? in The faith of God, Romans 10 is in our heart and in our mouth, the word of faith which we are preaching. Now, this is just a short lesson on a big truth. To appropriate the blood of the Lamb today, we use hyssop, our faith found in our heart, coming out of our mouth, and you vocally, in the name of Jesus, I apply the sprinkled blood to Randy and me, Matt and Kelly, Abigail, Zachary, Joshua, Nicholas, Case, Katie, Sam, Jack, Tony, Courtney, William, Caleb, and Adeline, spirit, soul, and body. Thank you, Lord. We are blood bought. We are blood protected. We are angel protected people. We are marked safe by the blood of Jesus. I didn't know you were supposed to do that one. Now you do. Read the book of Hebrews. The Lord instructed me, I think it was last week, I want you to read a chapter of Hebrews, a chapter of Revelation every day. So I'm reading um, uh, chapter 8 in both today. Of course, I'll finish Hebrews long before I finish Revelation. But you really, really want to understand the blood of Jesus. Read the book of Hebrews. Read about our great high priest. Read about the blood of goats and bulls. Read about the new covenant with better promises, a better covenant than they had. Do you think that that the blood of bulls and goats and physical lambs is greater than the blood of the Lamb of God? It is not. It was a shadow, a type and a shadow, a symbol, a foretaste of what we have today. Honor the blood of Jesus. Get in your car. I apply the blood of Jesus to this car, bumper to bumper, side to side, top to bottom, every working part. I declare a safe Passover. Uh, there are nights, you know, because we have that, what is it, find your friends, whatever it's called. Is it find your friends? Find a friend. I have my family on it. If I know they're out late at night, I mean, recently, I, I told you about how all my kids went skiing without me. That was so lovely. It was just <laughs> adorable. And... and uh, the mills were the last to get home, and it was late. I mean, what was it, Kelly, 10, 1030? Something like that. But it, it was late, and they, they all drove from uh, Wolf Creek, Colorado, or Pagosa Springs back to San Antonio in the same, it's a, it's a long drive, same day. And they were, so they're, everyone's texting, and the other two had gotten home, and they were on a road that was totally dark. You know how you can get out, and there's just no light, except your headlight, that's it. And I am tracking them. Every, I mean, and it got, they got to where you could actually see the car moving. And I just have my phone right in front of me, and I am tracking them all the way home, just speaking the blood of Jesus, overcoming power. Angels of God escort them. I thank you, Lord, that they will end up in their driveway on Brush Creek, safe hole, nothing broken, nothing missing. Well, Sandy, you're just crazy. No, I'm alive and well. You can call me crazy. I am crazy about Jesus. I'm crazy about the blood of Jesus. I'm crazy about the Lamb of God. Nobody. Nobody. So I just want to encourage you. You overcome with the blood of the Lamb and just know the devil has great wrath. You better be diligent. When I turned 60, I've told you this, my children did this darling little, Katie made it, and uh, everybody had a part, and and, a little, I think it was about two by two or something, and it was 60 things we love about you. And I I keep it in my underwear drawer because you know you go there every day. (laughs) And I, my favorite thing that made me just burst into tears We love that you taught us to honor the blood. Let that be the testimony of your children. Oh, but it's too late now. You still have breath. It's not too late. And we overcome by the word of our testimony, but I I want to read you something before I talk a little bit about the word. This came out. Cindy Jacobs, Head of of Generals of Intercession. She always has an encouraging word. And this came out just a few days ago. I'm going to read it to you because, oh boy, did it encourage me. I was in church on Sunday and I had this incredible vision of a container of water, but it was very cloudy and it looked very polluted. And I felt like this symbolized the problems in our lives, the frustrations we're having. In other words, there are things in our containers within ourselves that are really disturbing us. But I saw one drop of blood from the Lord just fall in and everything was instantly cleansed. The Lord would say to you, there are many things going on in your life, but haven't I shed my blood for freedom? Haven't I shed my blood so that you could appropriate my scripture? So that you could appropriate who I am? Go back to studying the power of the blood. And I had a picture of a house or a household, and I saw Scripture just float from heaven and fall into that house. And all of a sudden, everything came into alignment. Relationships with husbands, wives, children, finances, everything came in, and the Lord says, once again, claim my word. Now, this is simple, isn't it? We know this, but sometimes the Holy Spirit will say, come on, I want you to go back to the things you know. I want you to go back to the things that maybe you used to do. And so the Lord says, make those declarations that I will supply your needs. God will supply your needs according to his riches and glory. Make that decree over something terrible in your house that all of the chaos and problems will work for good. The Lord would say to you, my word will bring alignment into every area of your life. My blood will bring healing for everything broken. I am bringing salvation. I'm going to bring salvation to your finances. I'm going to bring salvation to your relationships. The Lord says, trust me, even though it seems like it's taking a while, I know this. From the second you cried out to me about your situation, I began to move. I'm dealing with the free will of some of your family members. I am fighting. Stand with my word. And what you say will cause a warfare with the angelic host. I just see there's so much warfare right now. Satan is trying to storm the gates of your home, of your life, your emotions. But the Lord says there's going to come a day when the flag of victory will go up. There's going to come a day when that healing will manifest. There's going to come a day when that drop of blood just goes into that cloudy, murky water that represents that situation in your life. The Lord says, you must believe that what I say is true. You must stand, and having done all, therefore stand, and you will see that even though there's a wrestling with the powers of darkness, you are in the battle. Know this, I am the victor. I am the victor, and you will wear the victor's crown. You will overcome. You're not going to lose. You will not be defeated because you are my child, and I am fighting with you in your battles. Amen. Amen. If that doesn't excite you, I will not worry about you, but we overcome by the word of our testimony. The word of our testimony is the blood and the word of God. I don't think there's very much that means more to me than the word of God and faith in the word. But there's a problem. By the way, I meant to say this to you earlier. I want as many of you as own a pair of tennis shoes to wear them next week. I don't care how pretty your outfit is. I saw an outbreak next week. I saw an outbreak of his spirit. You're going to need running shoes. I don't run. Well, I don't either. But I'm willing. I remember one time somebody spoke to me prophetically. They didn't know they were, and they said, you are in the last, okay, I'm going to get it wrong. Um, wait a minute. So 5K, uh, how, how far is a 1K? How far is a 1K? Anybody know? How many? Is it a mile? 0. 0.6 of a mile? Okay. Okay. And so I asked my Ironman son-in-law at the time, and he said, I I think you're on the last K leg. K, it was a a distance, whatever it was. So I said, how far is that? And he told me. And I said, well, I believe I can run that far. I want you to do it with me, however far it was. And so I put on my running shoes. And, you know, I'm just not a runner. I I know some people just love it. I, I like to walk, really, really like to walk. But I just don't like to run. I mean, everything flops and bounces, and I just don't like it. Shakes and wiggles, and it's just not what I like. And, and so, uh, but, but I did it, it just as a prophetic act. And so my son-in-law and one of my grandsons, and of course, he was determined to beat me. He goes, Mimi, I'm just gonna show you that I can run faster than you. I started to go, well, anybody can run faster than me, but that's okay. And so he marked out whatever distance it was at the time, and we ran it. And we got to the end, threw up our hands, you know, and saying, we will will rock you. (laughs) So wear your athletic shoes. It doesn't go with my outfit. Well, you know, it's really in now. I mean, I've seen brides with tennis shoes on. So just do it. Be here. Galatians 5. I'm going to tell you why your faith isn't working. And that's what we're going to work on the rest of the time. Because I realize there are things that should have come to pass a long time ago in my life. And they did it because of one reason. You ready? You've been severed from Christ if you seek to be justified. That is declared free of the guilt of sin and its penalty. Through the law. In other words if you think that your good works and how good of a church goer you are and how many committees you're on and the good works you do, if you think all that can get you right standing with God, you are severing yourself from Christ because what you're doing is nullifying the sacrifice. You've fallen from grace because you've lost your grasp on God's unmerited favor and blessing. For we, not relying on the law, but through the strength and power of the Holy Spirit, by faith, are waiting confidently for the hope of righteousness. For if we are in Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. Here it is. But only faith, activated, expressed, and working through love. You were running the race well who interfered and prevented you from obeying the truth. The Amplified classic, for if we are in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. Because, see, they thought if they were circumcised, they were better than the uncircumcised. So Paul is negating that. But only faith, activated, energized, expressed, and working through love. If your faith isn't working, I can tell you the one reason it isn't. You're not walking in love. Because faith requires love to work. Love is the trigger switch. It's the power switch for faith. And that's the reason the devil tries so hard to get us into strife. I will not allow strife. Not in my home, not in my relationships. I will not allow it. In fact, my daughters know if they get into any kind of squabble, they don't tell mom. And they say it's because they don't want to upset me. But the truth is they know what I'll do. Strife is poison. It is one of the worst toxins. And it will destroy your love walk. So, for the rest of the few minutes we have, we're going to do something we've done many, time, many times. We're going to walk through love. Now, I have taken, at times, many, many years ago, I was driving along, I think I was on 410, and I was listening to Joyce Meyer, and I heard her say, every one of you ought to take a year off and do nothing but work on your love walk, and I took the challenge, and for one year, that's all I taught. I mean, like, Pam will Remember? That's all I taught for one year was, was the love walk. But I found I need to do it every day because it's really easy to get out of love. I'm going to tell you again, faith is activated, energized, expressed, and working through love. If you're not in, in the love walk, it's like walking into a dark room and just standing there, the whole, it's so dark in here, it's so dark in here, I can't see a thing. I can't see anything, it's so dark. Well, the There's a switch, stupid. Turn it on. The switch is love. And if you don't turn on, the love walk. Love is an action verb. We call it an emotion. But agape, phileo, brotherly love, is an emotion. Eros is a lust. That's sexual love. Serge is the love between like a mother and a child. But agape is the love of God. It's an action verb. So let's look at First Corinthians 13. We're going to go through it very quickly. But we overcome by the blood of the Lamb the word of our testimony. But faith can't be activated in the word of your testimony without love. And the greatest thief of love. Who knows what the greatest thief of love is? Fear. The greatest thief of love is fear. That's why we must resist it. That's our whole chosen theme for 2022 is fearless. First Corinthians 13, 1 Corinthians 13.1. If I can speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love. I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all the secret truths and mysteries and I possess all knowledge and I have enough faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Say nothing. Nothing. So you can have mountain moving faith, but without love, God says, you're nothing. Verse 4. Love endures long and is patient and kind. It is never envious. It never boils over with jealousy. It's not boastful, vainglorious. It does not display itself haughtily. It is not conceited, arrogant, inflated with pride. It's not rude, unmannerly. It does not act unbecomingly. God's love in us does not insist on its own rights or its own way. What does that mean? I'm the only one that cleans up this house. Nobody else helps me. Lord, tell her to help me. Martha, Martha. (laughs) It's not self-seeking. It is not touchy, fretful, or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice at in injustice and unrighteousness. It rejoices when truth, right, and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. Is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are faithless under all circumstances. It endures everything without weakening. Love never fails. Verse 13, and so faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Now let's quickly go over every aspect of love. You notice the first two are what love is and the rest is what love isn't. Patient, love endures long and it's patient. That Greek word, patient, means literally to extend a long time to persevere, to suffer long, to defer anger, to refuse to retaliate with anger. That means if somebody says something nasty to you, maybe it's your husband if you're married. Love does not retaliate. Now, if I ask for a show of hands, how many of you have never retaliated? If you raise your hand, I would stand up here on camera and call you a liar. And yet God's love in us doesn't ever retaliate. Love suffers long. You know what's interesting? Is God knows it's suffering to be patient with with the God kind of love. In this particular passage, the word for patient means to be patient in bearing the offenses and injuries of others, to be mild and slow to anger... And to not punish. Oh, I don't punish people. Do you withdraw your spirit? Quit speaking to them? How many of you have ever had somebody withdraw their their spirit from you? Do you feel punished? Yeah, you do. Love doesn't do that. We could spend hours on this, and I have. But because of time... Love is kind, and the word kind means to be full of service to others, to show oneself useful. What is the opposite of that? It's all about me. Kindness doesn't mean I'm just so sweet. Honestly, I don't like it when people say I'm sweet. You know why? I'm not. My sister Kathy's sweet. She really is. I have a very strong personality. Duh. But I am kind, useful, and helpful. Love is not envious. That word uh, means to be jealous, and it imitates the sound of boiling water. It means to be moved with envy, hatred, and anger. And you know that the Apostle James says where there is jealousy, there is every evil thing. There is not much I hate more than jealousy. And let me tell you, I want to tell you how you can tell when a person's jealous of you. You begin to feel their presence everywhere you go. It's such an evil thing. I won't go into some of the stories I've had against me. I've, I've uh, told them in the past, and we don't have time. But I'm telling you right now, I refuse to be jealous or envious If somebody has something, you think, God, why aren't you blessing me like that? Just say, well, I'm in the same line. My day is coming. My day is coming. It's going to get better and better. Better and better. Butter and butter. Love is not boastful. That word means to act as a bragger, to show off, because you need so much attention. I'm going to tell you the honest truth. God is my witness. Except when I'm up here to share with you the word of life, I don't like attention. I really don't. It makes me uncomfortable. And this is why, you know, when you get on social media, which I don't do very much, and you see all the influencers, because they have a perfect life with perfect bodies and perfect hair and perfect husband and perfect kids and a perfect home and a perfect bank account, because I am perfect. They are not. And I'm telling you, it's destroying so many people. To act like you don't have any problems and everything's perfect, that's an illusion. It's an illusion. Because I minister all the time, almost every day of my life, and I can tell you the most perfect people hurt deeply. I have had, and I'm not exaggerating when I say this to you billionaires with a B. I've had billionaires in my home. That's the richest of the rich, and I've had the poor. And the ground is level at the foot of the cross, there's no difference. There's no difference between people's pain and heartache and suffering. I refuse to be a respecter of people. I refuse it. Love is not puffed up. Arrogant, that word means arrogant, proud, egotistical. It means to inflate like a pair of billows. I told you I watch American Idol because I love Lionel Richie. I don't know what his theology is, but I'll tell you what, he gives worth to every single person, it doesn't matter. I mean, they can get up there and croak like a frog (laughs) and he still speaks destiny and I love that about him. So this last Sunday, I think it was Sunday night, two of the contestants, one was Miss America. She is gorgeous. I mean, gorgeous. I pull up a picture. I show my hairdresser. Are these extensions? Who has hair like this? (laughs) Gorgeous. Beautiful body, just beautiful, sweet and kind and talented. Man, she can belt out a song. In fact, when she went for the auditions, the judges looked at her and they said, you are a trained competitor and you're going to have to work harder than everybody else to stay in this competition. So, on this night, the judges paired for a duet. And they paired Miss America with the lowliest of the contestants. Anybody see it beside me? Just a few of you. And this girl, they showed when she was auditioning her home. I mean, she, I guess you could call her a country bumpkin. She had no makeup. Her hair isn't fixed, it's pulled back in this little tiny ponytail. You you could just tell she had never had any woman nurture her and show her how to be feminine. Dressed, flannel, shirt, hunched over, just everything about her. And she stands there and she just talks like this. But when she opened her mouth to sing, she was a songbird. And the judges were, I mean, we all were, (laughs) and they put her through. So they pair Miss America with this girl that, that didn't have somebody. I don't remember if it was Parent Trap or Pollyanna. I mean, I used to really like the old Haley Mills movies and whatever movie it was. They sang a song, You Must Walk Feminine, Talk Feminine. Smile and be girl feminine, and nobody has taught her to be feminine. And here they pair Miss America with this girl. and she the girl is terrified. and Miss America says they put her with me because they want I think they wanted me to mentor her, and she did. Now no, now mind you. The country girl could have knocked Miss America out of the competition because the point is to clear the deck. And, and that little country girl, she's scared. I mean, she's scared. And, and Miss America, her name's Betty, is encouraging her. And they get up there. I mean, pull it up on YouTube. And they sing this duet Lionel Richie is crying, and I'm wailing. I mean, I'm wailing. I'm wailing at the top of my lungs, tears streaming down my face. He's wiping his eyes. I mean, they knocked it out of the park, and when it's over, Miss America throws her arms around this girl, and they both go through to the next level, and they walk off the stage arm in arm. Love is not puffed up. Now, I don't know anything about Betty, but I'll tell you what. She did everything in her power to make this other girl shine. And it worked. And the little country girl says, thank you for helping me. It was, you really need to watch it, I'm telling you. She demonstrated love. Love does not act unbecomingly. And you know what that means? That's what it means. Love does not act in a way that does not show love. Love does not seek things of its own. That word means selfish. Love is not selfish. How many of you know how to be selfish? Yes. Love is not easily provoked. That word means it is not irritated, aroused to anger. But you know what the Amplified Classic says? Love is not touchy, fretful, or resentful. If I fail the love test, that's where I fail. I don't know about you, but I can, I can get really touchy sometime. And you know who can make you the touchiest? The person you live with. <laughs> but love is not touchy. See, what makes me touchy? I told you I can't let my dog out without accompaniment because, you know, a hawk or a possum will get her. Or a cat, big old cats. And I'm always the one that has to do it. Always, every night. It doesn't matter if it's one in the morning. And so last night, you know, I thought, surely he can do it one time. (laughs) And so I said, the dog's by the door, you know, I mean, you know when they have to go out. Dog's by the door. And I said, she needs to go out, thinking he'd go, I'll do it this time. And he goes, okay. (laughs) And so, being a woman, I went. (sighs) (laughs) He said, are you mad at me? (laughs) No. But right away, I was arrested. And I go to the door. I said, Lord, I'm sorry. That was not love. Lord, thank you that I'm able to get up. That I can walk to the door. That I have a home. Thank you that I have a husband who is faithful and loyal and loving and devoted and kind and a hard worker. You see, you have to turn that into gratitude. Lewis, if you tell, because I don't like the look on your face. I'm going to use you for a bad example if you do. And love does not keep account of wrongs. That word means to reckon, to charge with. And the Lord spoke to me one time about someone who had just repeatedly done me wrong. And I was singing the done me wrong song. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and this is what he said. If you had truly forgiven, each time would be like the first time. Because love doesn't keep score. And I told you the story of the worst hurt I've ever had in my entire existence. I mean, this, this other person did me so much wrong. And I had only done good. And one day, and finally, my husband said, I don't ever want you in a relationship with them again. I want my wife back. Because I was just always being hurt. I mean, it was like somebody put a knife in you and then just kept doing this. And he said, it's over. Then they weren't born again. <clears throat> he said, it's over. If they go to hell, it's not your fault. And I, so I, so I got on my knees. I took a yellow legal pad and I wrote every single line of every wrong they had done to me. And I said, Lord, if I ever see that person again, I'm going to read this page. And the Lord said, Are you finished? I said, Yes, sir. <laughs> he said, Now tear it up. Love doesn't keep scoring. I did, I tore it in shreds. Two years later, I unexpectedly ran into that person. And you know what happened when I did? I threw my arms around him, and there was, I couldn't remember anything from the past. There was only the love of God. Love doesn't keep score. Tear up the scorecard. Tear up your scorecard. Take the love test. The devil knows his time is short. Now abide faith, hope, and love, these three years ago, the Lord said, surround yourself with faith, hope, and love. And my circle is a circle of faith, hope, and love. People that believe God. People that have confident expectation that he will fulfill his word. And the love of God, which is unconditional. The devil knows his time is short. We can't play Christianity anymore. We can't play church anymore. A hypocrite is a play actor. Refuse to be a hypocrite. We're called to overcome by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of our testimony, and by our witness. Faith works through love. And so something I like to do. And by the way, 1 Corinthians 13:7 says, Love never gives up and never loses faith. That's the new living. Love never loses faith because faith works through love. We are in serious times. Darkness is covering the face of the earth, but God is looking for a people. He is looking for a people who overcome by the blood of the lamb, by the word of our testimony, and by not loving our lives even if we had to die for our witnessing. And we don't yet. I don't know what the future holds. But I do know who holds the future. I want to pray over you the Apostle Paul's prayer in Ephesians three fourteen through 21, and then we're done. And I want to encourage you. Please pray for this family, the Beamer family that had this tragedy. And pray the love prayer. And take the love test. And make sure you're lined up with love. Because love never fails. Love doesn't judge. I don't have a right to judge anybody. In fact, I'm scared to judge anybody. Let's just pray Ephesians 3 14 through 21. For this reason, I bow my knees before you, Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. That according to the riches of your glory, you may grant all of us to be strengthened with power through your spirit in our inner being, so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, and that all of us would would be rooted and grounded in love and have the strength to comprehend with all the saints the breadth and length and height and depth of your love and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. And as my daughter quoted at the end of worship, to him who is able to do, far more abundantly than we all ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to you be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Thanks again for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. You can hear more messages by visiting chosenessay.com. Be sure to follow us at Chosen Essay on Facebook and Instagram.